Welcome to GodPod. This is a podcast from St. Paul's Theological Centre in London, based at Holy Trinity Brompton. Mike Lloyd and Jane Williams join me, Graham Tomlin, in talking about theology, life, God, and just about everything else. Welcome to GodPod. We think it's number 43, but if it's not, we can edit out that bit. <laughs> but... Um, uh, because we haven't got Keith with us, our wonderful um, technician, but we do have Matt, Matt Sales, who's hiding behind the uh, screen there and uh, is, is organising us all, which is great. But uh, So yeah, so welcome to GodPod again, and this time we have uh, one or two of our uh, usual suspects, uh, Mike, of course. Oh, I'm very suspicious indeed. Yes. Uh, always very suspicious. Hello. Uh, good morning, Mike. And we also have Chris Tilling. Hello. You, Graham, you should also say, we think it's 44. And we think it's 45 as well, just so they can <laughs> cut one of them in. So Chris Tilling, our New Testament tutor here at um, St. Paul's Theological Centre, is here as well. And uh, we have a couple of uh, special guests today, one of whom is Dave Buckless, who is... Um, now, Dave, you were telling us this very complicated title you have in Russia. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I got rather lost with it. So do tell sure. me what the well, title it is. It used to be simple. I used to be national director, but um, we've kind of reorganised a bit. I'm now director for theology, churches, and sustainable communities. Okay, great. And uh, we also have Will Campbell Claus, who is working with Arosha as well. And uh, Will, you're working with uh, young adults in this area as well. Yeah, that's right. Just started about a month ago. Brilliant, great. And um, so. Um, yeah, so that's where we are. And Jane's not here today. She's um, uh, with a whole conference of um, uh, theological educators in the Anglican Communion yes. down in Canterbury. So um, she's not not with us. So I'm afraid you have a rather male sort of uh, cohort today. It is. Yeah, so we all miss yeah. Jane's. So we've got lager instead of tea. Fags <laughs> 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 yeah. instead of biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I quite seen it yet, somehow. <laughs> But anyway, there you go. Um, but Dave, um, for those people listening in who don't know much about Arosha and what it is and what it sure. does, do you want to just give us a quick summary of what um, what it's about? Yeah, stop me if I go on for an hour and a half. Um, <laughs> no, we will. <laughs> yeah, Arosha, the, the name first of all is, is, is Portuguese. It just means the rock in Portugal, in Portuguese. Uh, and it began 25 years ago with a, a single project in southern Portugal where a group of Christians felt God calling them to protect a threatened estuary from unsuitable development and in essence we are a, a christian environmental charity um, we seek to to help people care better for god's world as stewards of god's creation uh, and we've now grown we're working in about 18 countries around the world and in the uk we've been going for about eight years hey, great and so is it still organized from portugal or, or does, it, does it have a sort of international center we don't have a center um, we have an international team they're scattered between different national product projects um, the couple who founded it are, are still very much at the heart of things. They're based in France, Peter and Miranda Harris. Um, but each each country is kind of semi-autonomous um, yeah, okay. and uh, and organises itself. Yeah. And are there actual projects in each of those 18 countries or just presences? There are either actual projects or they're working towards actual right. projects. We, we, we try to be not just a, a think tank but, but an organisation which, which puts things into practice mm -hmm. through, through mm -hmm. practical, usually wildlife conservation projects. Not always, but usually. Mm. And so you're, you've got one near where you live in London. Yeah, um, I, I live in Southall, uh, out in the, the wild west of London. And um, we worked with a local council, London Borough of Hillingdon, to turn 90 acres of derelict land into a country park and nature area, which we help the council manage, and we do lots mm. of environmental education there. Yeah, okay. 
And so do you have a, got a community of people who work on that? Or how, how does it work? Is it like a church or is it like a, a kind of people who come from churches to work on it? Or how does Yeah, it we're, we're not a church, um, but we do have a strong um, ethos of, of community. So we, our, our UK base is, is there in Southall, and there are a number of us who live there. Um, some people share a house together. Um, we have people on that that local project who are working on the education working on the conservation mm. working on the the more community side of things um but we also try and coordinate uh our supporters about five thousand supporters at the moment around the uk uh in being active where they are uh and we don't seek to own everything that we we inspire if you like yeah, so right. so there are lots of places where there are projects or uh, groups of churches setting things up uh and they may be inspired by what Arosha's saying, uh, and they may be led by local Arosha supporters, but we don't seek to own all of that. We yeah, seek sure. to yeah. encourage it. And uh, how, how did you get into it yourself? I mean, <laughs> how, did that, how did this become your kind of life's work, as it were? Yeah, that, it certainly, certainly wasn't what I set out doing. I, I did history for my degree and um, thought I'd be a teacher and then felt called to become a vicar, so did some theology mm. and was a vicar for a number of years and initially had very little interest in environmental issues at all mm. although i've always loved wildlife and loved wild places um but had a a kind of mini damascus road experience which um was on a little island off the tip of cornwall on parts one of the isles of Scilly, uh where I, I had a strong sense of god speaking to me when i was about to throw some rubbish over a cliff um because on that island there was no other waste disposal at the time uh, and I sensed God saying, how do you think I feel about what you're doing to my world? Mm. Um, that was about 20 years ago, and I was at theological college at the time, so it was a good chance to think things through. Yeah. Uh, and things have grown slowly from there. I stumbled mm. across a Russia and thought, here's a bunch of Christians who uh, are doing something about it. Let me try and get involved. And it, it kind of all grew from there <laughs> for me. And, uh, um, yeah, and... and I guess one of, the, one of the questions I guess some people might might have on it, obviously in, environmentalism and kind of concern for the environment is something that's you know fairly broad and, and, and widespread within our culture, and you don't have to be a Christian to be concerned for the for the planet. And I suppose someone might say, well, is this just a case of sort of Christians jumping on a bandwagon which is already kind of you know rolling within wider society, mm-hmm. um, and Christians have caught up rather late with it and, and so on and, and i mean do you get that sometimes that kind of um argument and yeah and, you... i mean and there's an ounce of truth in it in that christians have caught up rather late by yeah. and large you know the, mm. 25 years ago when russia began there were very few people within the churches yeah, talking exactly. about mm. care for creation um but but what i always say is that actually we should have been the first mm. um the very mm. first command god gives to, to humanity is mm in his image, to care after his world, yeah. to, to look after his world on yeah. his behalf, mm. um, to rule over it in a godly and gentle way. Mm. Um, so Christians should have been at the heart of the environmental movement. Mm. And just as at other times in history, I think sometimes where God's people don't mm. listen, mm. God calls somebody surprising to take a lead. Yeah, and yeah. maybe some of the, you know, the, the other, the environmentalists who are not Christians have been mm. in a prophetic role challenging us in the mm. church. Uh, mm. And it's time we got involved too. Yeah. Well, do you think other differences between, say, uh, I mean, you as a Christian being involved in the in the environmental movement from someone who isn't coming from a Christian perspective? And is there a difference between sort of Christian care for the the planet as opposed to um, those who come from a different angle? 
It's, it's a difficult question to answer. I, I wouldn't want to claim that there's a, a qualitative difference. Yeah. I wouldn't want to claim that we do it better because we're Christians, because I know some incredibly devoted and brilliant environmentalists, conservationists who, who come from all kinds of different worldviews. Mm. But I guess our motivation um, is, is different. Yeah. We do this not because we love wildlife for the sake of wildlife, mm. but we do this because we love Jesus mm. and we believe it's mm. his world and he's called us to care for it. Mm. Mm. And I think there's also, and, and this is very relevant at the moment, I think there's a difference in terms of hope. Yeah. Yeah, so I was going to say, that's the key thing, yeah. isn't it, really? Yeah. There are so many <coughs> of the environmental movements who are at a point of despair, right. both yeah. because the planet's spinning out of control so, so fast, the, the predictions on climate change, but also because they've been campaigning for 20 or 30 years and haven't seen people change a bit. Mm. You know, they've seen mm. things get worse. The consumption levels, government policies just get worse. And so there's a despair about human nature and the human capacity to turn things around. Yeah. And as Christians, we have hope. We have hope that people can change because God can change people. We have hope that God's in control of his creation sure, yeah. as well. And, and that he will one day recreate it. Absolutely. Um, which, of course, is sometimes used as an excuse for not doing anything now, but is best understood as an encouragement in the process of working for it. I mean, just like you know, the fact that there's going to be ultimate healing doesn't mean you don't bother with praying for people's healing or <laughs> doing medical work now. It's the similar kind of thing, mm. isn't it? A absolutely right. I mean, it, God's committed to his creation, and we are called to be partners. Mm. Uh, we're called to work on God's behalf. Um, I, I use the story of Noah as an example. You know, who, who saved all the animals at the time of Noah? Well, in a sense, God did, because it was his idea to save them all. It was his idea that an ark got built. Mm. Um, but who actually ended up? doing it well god called a human being to do it on his behalf mm. and i believe he's calling us on his behalf yes god is the one who's going to ultimately renew and restore and recreate mm. this world uh, but he's calling us to to uh, to take a a lead in that and to help produce signs of the kingdom and, and produce little pictures of yeah. what that will look like Glimpses. Terms of, yeah yeah I guess, I guess the the extra dimension i suppose in the christian involvement in 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 um, <coughs> the care for the for the planet is in a sense I suppose you know, without a, a sort of Christian or even a, even a kind of broadly more religious you know, motivation you just got humanity in the planet mm. and therefore mm. the motivation becomes something like you know saving the planet for our children and mm. that sort of thing or, or even you, you you can get I suppose in some aspects of the some parts of the environmental movement almost a kind of worship of creation yep. so creation itself becomes the object of, of worship and obviously the the dimension you have within Christian theology is the dimension of God, mm. that actually the creation is not an end in itself. It is a, it, it is a something that reflects or is, was meant to reflect something of the nature of, of God that is God's possession. And um, but I suppose that could be a two-edged thing because I guess there are, there are people who would argue that 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 in itself sort of denigrates creation. It makes creation less important. Um, and it may even have led to, you know, the idea of, you know, creation being subject to humanity and therefore that's all led to the the kind of exploitation of uh, of creation because mm -hmm. it's it's it's, you know, beneath humanity as it were. Sure. In in the kind of hierarchy of creation. So yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean there's a there's a thesis that's been out there in, mm. and that a lot of environmentalists have accepted and then in fact you find taught as, as fact in environmental studies departments mm. up and down the country. Mm. And the thesis is that, that Christianity is largely responsible for the environmental crisis mm. Mm. because it's an ideology that puts human beings on a pedestal, mm. says we're made in the image of God and nothing else is. Mm. 
and therefore allows human beings mm. to exploit and mistreat nature. Mm. And you can find bits of evidence. You can find quotes from reformers, church fathers, yep. uh, more recent mm. Christian leaders that, that pretty much go along with that. So we have to hold our hands up and say that sometimes the way we've interpreted scripture um, has justified the abuse of, of creation. Mm. But it's, it's a question of misinterpretation rather than a question of, of what the scriptures are saying. And, and one of the things I, I bang on about constantly is that in the Genesis accounts, we're both told that human beings are made in the image of God and that human beings are made from the dust of the earth. And if we hold those two together in tension, mm-hmm. we then get a godly understanding and, and a very helpful understanding in practical terms of how we should relate to the planet. We're part of it. We're made from the dust of the earth. And yet we are given a particular role within it, not a role mm. to exploit and destroy and abuse, mm. but an, a, a role to, to take a lead in, in managing it on God's behalf. So why do you think so many Christians have, have read the Bible and, and gone down the, the path that abuses the environment? What, what reasons lie behind that, do you think? What theological mistakes are involved? I think I think it's as much cultural as it is theological, um, probably. I, I think um, in the Western Church, in, in Western Europe and North America particularly, we've kind of bought into an idea of progress that links to the Industrial Revolution, links to the Enlightenment, um, that has put human beings on a pedestal. Uh, and then we've sought to rationalise that from the Bible. Right. rather than taking, if you like, the, the message of the Bible as it, as it, uh, as it naturally is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you, you know, as with apartheid in South Africa, if, if Christians look to justify something from Bible, they, they can find odd texts that will point in that direction. Um, and I think, I think that, you know, it, it was very convenient at a time of the Industrial Revolution to have a theology that said nature's there for us to do what we like with. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's inanimate and it's separate from us and, <coughs> and we can just exploit it as we wish. It's there for us. God's given it to us. That was very convenient. Um, but it's not the overall message of the scriptures. Is there also, um, and uh, this is one of my you know, favourite whipping boys, I suppose, um, but a kind of theological dualism yeah. between yeah. Uh, body and soul, and yeah. the soul's the important thing, that uh, the spiritual's the important thing, that the sacred is the important thing, and therefore the, the secular and the uh, physical and the material doesn't is less important. Is that which is left should be left behind? Um, has that played into? Uh, the reading, the misreading of scripture that you're talking about. Um, yeah, I, I, I certainly believe that it has, and and I think we can see that that very clearly. And and of course, that isn't again. It's not the biblical worldview. It's not the 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 Jewish worldview of the Old Testament. It, it's a view that comes more from Greek philosophy, from Plato, and um, yeah. yeah. It's, quite, it's quite an interesting. Example. I mean, I just look at the Genesis accounts because you've got the you know Genesis one and Genesis two, mm. which give you slightly different yep. you know accounts of the creation. And, and Genesis one has the the ruling over creation language, um, but, you know, which obviously can be interpreted as being kind of exploitation, domination, all that kind of stuff. But I says more rightly, I think it's about responsibility. It's about mm-hmm. human calling mm-hmm. to you know to bear the responsibility of, of you know for, for creation. But, but the Genesis two account has the explicit, you know, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Yeah. The sort of caring language. Yeah. I suppose there's something about the balance of those two that's quite important, isn't it? That, that there is a, 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 it's the responsibility and, and care that humanity 
you know, if, if humanity does have a distinct role within mm-hmm. within creation, uh, that is the responsibility of care um, mm-hmm. and the responsibility to enable creation to fulfill its potential, which I think is the other aspect of it. That that's right. Which is why it seems to me that within Genesis you've got um, you know technology, for example, isn't necessarily a bad thing because actually technology can be a matter of enabling creation to fulfill yeah. its, its potential. Yeah. So we're not just talking yeah. about, you know, going back to the noble savage idea and, not at all. and everything re- reverting to sort of all just living on the land with with sort of, you know, um, plowshares and all that kind of thing. Yeah, you know. sure. um, the, the development of creation in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a way that enables creation to fulfill its potential is part of the human... Mm. Absolutely. Cool. And the key question is, to what end are we developing yeah. it? Are we doing yeah. it just for our own yeah. pleasure or are we doing it for god's pleasure sure. yeah. and therefore for the the best of for the whole creation yeah that's right and that makes well, a I big difference isn't it yeah, yeah. I, nice, I was just going to make a point on the genesis point that you're making graham mm. um i find it really helpful in the genesis one account to sort of see mm. um well i think the the fact that we're made in god's image and then commanded to rule over the rest of creation i think those two are s- sort of intricately linked yeah. Like, I don't think you can take them in separation from each other. It's mm. almost like yeah. God says, I'm True. making you in my image so that you yeah. can rule. And so yeah. the question then to us is like, what does ruling over look like True. if we're in the image of God? Yeah. And then looking to Jesus as the ultimate model of that. Yeah. It's and a kind of delegate to his sort of yeah. rule, isn't it? And it's service, actually. The, the actually. actually is God's yeah. Yeah. prerogative, yeah. not ours. It's something that he, yeah. if you like, hands on to us. And therefore, it's something that's always done in God's name mm. and in God's way. Yeah. So it's that that ruling is conditioned by the fact that it is, it is God's, yeah, God's thing. Yeah, um, and yeah. I guess Jesus demonstrated the ideal sort of kingship mm. by washing his disciples' feet, um, and sort of living a life mm. of service. And, and I suppose yeah. what you're saying is that that when when people when Christians have often read these texts and others like it, that there's some glasses, if you like, behind mm. their eyes and their mm-hmm. heads, which refracts it into mm. a spiritualized dualistic way of yeah. thinking or that's, that's what's going on i think that's exactly right and well, I, I sometimes illustrate that with you know perhaps the best known verse in the new testament john three sixteen, um for god so loved the people that he sent his one and only son <laughs> yeah. well that's I, yeah. I heard that that verse for 30 years and that's how i always heard it yeah. because the the glasses i was wearing uh made me read the word world as people yeah uh, and it was only doing new testament greek at theological college where i discovered it actually says god so loved the cosmos yeah right. and i know there's a bit of theological discussion as to what cosmos means in that context mm. even though its usual meaning is the whole created order yeah um, I, i've got exactly the same example actually i was in a bible study once and i, I read <laughs> out from romans 8 where paul speaks of uh, his 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 ultimate longing um and it says explicitly there the redemption of the body. Yes. And and yes. I asked the people in this Bible group, what was his ultimate longing here? And then there was all this talk about going to heaven and yeah. spiritual existence and so on. Saving of the Just soul. Just missed this. Yeah. Redemption of the body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The redemption of the physical. Yes. And yet yes. a physical yeah. resurrection. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. As, yes. as Tom Wright talks about yeah. in a lot of his writing, that it really gives us the best. As clue. being the model for. Yeah. For the new creation, the right of all things, on the yeah. new creation. Yeah. Yeah. Just picking up Will's point about about Jesus. Um, are there places you'd point to in the ministry of Jesus where there is a kind of connection into this whole area of the care for creation and the environment? And where would you point to for that? Well, I I think I'd sort of start with um, 
the fact that Jesus bases a lot of his teaching on that Jewish Old Testament worldview, where the assumption is that people care for the go- care for the creation. Um, so if you look at you know Matthew six, for example, you know where he says, "Look at the birds," you know, "Look at how your father." loves them. Mm. So there's that sort of underlying assumption mm. with a lot of his teaching that mm. God does love his creation and then and that doesn't it's only really when you can understand that God loves his creation that then you can say God loves those who are made in his image mm. on you know more or whatever whatever language you use. Yep. Okay. I think yeah, I mean, there are there are a whole lot of, of different different ways in which I think we can we can see this. Another thing is is simply to look at the raw material for Jesus' teaching, for his parables mm, and his mm, stories, mm. Uh, nearly all of which are, are taken from nature and from our human interaction as as carers and stewards and developers of nature. Yeah. So it's you know it's farmers and fields, it's stewards mm. in a vineyard, mm. it's sowers, it's a fig tree, it's the foxes, it's the birds and the flowers. Um, Jesus expects his hearers to be intimate with creation uh, and to see signs of God and God's character mm. within creation and to learn spiritual lessons from mm. creation. Mm. Yeah, there is a kind of connectedness between <coughs> Jesus and the land in, in the mm. sense of, um, of um, yeah, I mean, all, the, all the parables of the kingdom are about kind of agricultural growth rather than about mechanistic yeah. kind of processes aren't they absolutely which i think it's quite an interesting one yeah. which they, didn't, they didn't have too many tractors of course in those days <laughs> no. it's just uh, might have affected it slightly i'm not a great expert on these don't oh, plowshares certainly plowshares. there's a machine for <laughs> the romans used machines didn't they so well that's right exactly yeah. yeah yeah military mm-hmm. machines um but it leads me on to something else because dave you, you've written a very interesting book called uh, planet wise um, published by IVP. I haven't even got the price on here. I don't know what it is. Seven ninety nine, I think. Seven ninety nine. There Sheep you go. On Amazon. Oops. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Little advert. And um, I was just browsing through it the other day, and just just I mean, the bit that really interested me was the chapter on land, because mm-hmm. um, you talk about creation and fall, and Jesus and new creation, and so on. But there's that little, very interesting little chapter, I think, on, on the significance of land, which actually you know is a very significant theme within the Bible, the promise of land. Mm-hmm. And obviously, for the people of Israel, the kind of the, the actual land itself. Yep. Um, but then, more more broadly, you know, the, the the actual earth upon which we we stand. I mean, I don't mean whether it's, it's worth just exploring that for for a moment. What you know, what the significance of that theme of the land within the Old Testament and uh, and so on is for um, our responsibility for creation. The, the land is it's the context for our relationship with God. We, we mm. cannot have a disembodied relationship mm. with God. And the land and the creatures within the land and the other people within the land are the context for our relationship with God. So mm. it's absolutely critical. And yet it's something we've, we've desperately neglected in, in Western theology. So, you know, if, if you'd ask me and if you ask most people, sum up the gospel in three or four you know, propositions, mm. they'll talk about creation, they'll talk about the fall, They'll mm. talk about redemption as, mm. as probably the key ones. And then they may talk about mm. the last things, about going to heaven mm. or new creation. And yet, perhaps two-thirds of the Bible is the story of a people in a land. It's a story of, of, of salvation history worked out in practice in a context. Mm. And that's, that's a huge theme. Um, mm. it's, it's, if, if you think of it as five themes, it's the central theme. Because mm. you've got creation for the land, mm. then redemption, and mm. then new creation. Mm. Um, and it's in terms of you know 
biblical word mm. studies, the land is talked about mm. far more than mm. other themes that we talk about far more. So I think we really have to take it seriously. We have to take the fact that God chose a people and put them in a particular place and said, now work out your relationship with me in this context. Mm. We have to take that very seriously and look at what that means for us. And that doesn't mean that all the commands on what you plant with what and when you should harvest what uh, get literally translated today. Mm. But it means we take seriously that all the festivals in the Old Testament had a creation theme to them of some form or another. Uh, we take seriously that all the stuff about Sabbath, all the stuff about Jubilee is connected to land and animals as well as to people. Um, we take seriously that, uh, that our relationship with God and our relationship with the land are connected. So God can say, only if my people return to me and repent of their sins will I look down from heaven and bless them and heal their land. Mm, mm. And he's talking about restoring the harvests in that yeah, context. Sure. So and, and, and really how important. would you relate the, because in the Old Testament it's talking about a particular piece of land. Yep. Um, <coughs> how do you relate that to the mm. promise to the whole of creation? To yeah. I, I, in, in a sense, I think I would see in, in this context the, the story of Israel and, and the land of Israel as a as a paradigm as as an example uh you know israel are the light to the nations mm. they are as a bridgehead to, almost uh, yeah, into as, the whole of creation absolutely mm. as, as a bridgehead yep. um and you know I, I don't want to get into the subject of middle eastern politics in this but, <laughs> but i think you know too often we see the land as israel the land in a political sense mm. uh i i wish we would sometimes see it in a more uh, mm. ecological geographical sense I think there's a sense in which both jesus and paul take language about the land and, and make it language about the whole of the whole of the earth isn't it yeah. i mean jesus when he says the meek shall inherit the earth the old testament says the meek shall inherit the land, the land. Uh, yes. and there's a real isn't yeah, there? yeah although there no. is a translation ambiguity there, okay yeah. okay Hmm. Fair enough. Trust Chris to point that out. Good to have experts. But the Great Commission, the Great Commission <laughs> is, you know, is, is another one, isn't it? Where you know Joshua was sent into the land, to, you know, whereas the Great Commission right. is going into all, all the earth in order yes. to. There, there mm. seems to me, I think, a universalizing impulse also in the Old Testament that the, the people of God were called to be a blessing to the families of the earth. Yeah. And and mm. so Paul in in Romans four he speaks of the promise to Abraham that he would inherit the world, uh, where mm. it's become universalized mm. here. I think mm. there's there's that mm. aspect. Mm. It's done in different ways, I think, in the New Testament, but at least in Paul. There's a universalizing of the land mm. into what God is doing in, for, the, for the redemption of the whole of creation. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think that's yeah. right. Mm. Well, so about, go on, Mike, you Do you think that there's something here uh, in terms of the land about our modern lifestyles as well, that we've got quite cut off from the land? Uh, we mm. didn't work where we live quite often, mm. uh, and so there's mm. a kind of distancing there from um, the land around us. And there's, you know, we can eat fruit yep. out of season the whole Absolutely. time mm, with no yeah. particular relation to where it's grown mm. or anything like that. It, was, it, does I, that, does I that think sense of root really significant. And I think a sense of rootlessness. Yeah. And I yeah. think also, I was thinking about in relationship to urban life. I mean, we did a, one of our God Pods mm. recently was with Luke Brotherton where we were thinking about, you know, theology of the city and, uh, and mm. all of that. And I guess, you know, in, in a, in a rural area, you probably do feel a bit more connected to the land perhaps, but it, in, in, unless in, you're a commuter. Well, you, are, that's true. you may yep. not at all. Yeah. It should just be a dormitory yep. for you. Yeah. But I guess in urban life where you spend most of your time walking on concrete, yeah. um, how, you know, how, how yeah. do you restore that connection and, and 
Yeah. This has been really important for me personally because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm an urban creature. I've spent most of my mm. life in cities. I was, I was born in Kolkata, one of the, one of the, the biggest mm. and most urbanised and polluted cities in the world in many mm. ways. And I've lived for the last 17 years in, in a very urban bit of London. Um, and, and the passage that has spoken to me over and over and over again about this is in Jeremiah 29, where the people of Israel are in exile and all they want to do is go back home, mm. which they think of as, as, as Jerusalem. Mm. And yet God says to them, effectively, put down roots where I've planted you. Mm. He says, plant vineyards and eat what they produce. Mm. Build homes and live in them. Have families. Mm. Pray for the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have called you. Mm. And it's about putting down roots in, in a whole lot of dimensions, but including the ecological um, in the places where God has put us. And that can be in a city. So for, for us as a family who, you know, 10 years ago, we just went along to the supermarket and bought whatever was cheapest or mm. whatever we fancied. We've now changed our, our, our shopping and eating habits enormously. We now grow what we can in our allotment. Mm. Um, and within the city, it's possible to be in contact with mm. creation, to be mm. in contact with nature. And for me, that's, that's become very important in terms of my lifestyle. It's actually become very important in terms of my spirituality as well, mm. Mm. in terms of where I meet God day-to-day -day, uh, is, you know, while I'm wandering down the canal um, or, or while I'm cycling yeah. along and trying to keep an eye on the skylark as well as the traffic. Is that the side of the canal? Or, or, uh, yeah, or, 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 yeah. Say, That's more impressive than <laughs> yes, I thought. Yes, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully the towpath will the canal itself. <laughs> so I can walk on water. That's right. Yeah, it, it is, uh, so it's interesting, isn't it, but especially connecting it to spirituality because I guess we often think of spirituality as being very sort of spiritual in the sense of non-physical mm. you know it's all to do with my prayer life it's all to do with my sort of you know times of worship it's to do with some sort of inner space whereas the idea that my spirituality is connected to my my relationship with the actual environment on which i live and the planet on which i walk and and the neighborhood in which i i live and and, and that's actually part of my discipleship part of my calling mm. is my interaction with that as well as just my interaction with God and with with, with people, um, it's quite an interesting idea, isn't it? You know, it, it makes spirituality seem something a little bit different from what perhaps, we perhaps think that's it is. true. And yet, I think it's it's you know it's 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 very close to what Jesus is encouraging us to do yeah. in all his parables and stories. Mm. And I, mm. you know, my, my challenge here is my wife, who does most of the work on our allotment, and she talks to me about how when she's doing the weeding, she will quite naturally find herself thinking about what needs weeding out in our life, mm. in her life, or mm. in our lifestyle, mm. or in our community. Mm. When she's doing the planting, she's she's praying as she's planting, not mm. just for those seeds, but for mm. people who conversations have planted seeds in the hearts of over the last yeah. week. And yeah. there's so much about the rhythm of, of growing and reaping and connecting mm. with nature mm. that that parallels the rhythm of our relationship with God. Mm. Mm. Which is not surprising if God created the earth. Yeah. <laughs> that actually there <laughs> might be some, yeah. some correlation, correlation yeah. between you know the the, the the way things work in the kingdom of God and the way things work in mm. in um in the created order. Yeah. I guess it's no brainer, is it? Yeah. I mean spirituality tends to be uh, non physical as you say and introvert, doesn't it? It can be. I mean it's very, very often I it's, it's yeah, usually about withdrawal. Mm. We talk about we do retreats mm. and that's you know, that's a good thing. It's not I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all. But it's a slightly unbalanced thing, I think. Um it doesn't work for extroverts like you, Mike. It doesn't work for extroverts. How did you know I was an extrovert? <laughs> I've known you too long. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. And um, Dave also, did, I mean, if you had um, 
a couple of things to say to people listening to this who think, yeah, yeah okay, maybe I, 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 I ought to get thinking about this, and, and not just thinking about it, but but beginning to change the way I, I, I live and express my faith in terms of my relationship my, with my um, environment. What kind of things would you say? What, where would you say for people to, to start doing that? I think for me where, where we start is really important, that, you know, that there are an awful lot of horrifying and rightly horrifying headlines out there in terms of what's happening to the planet at the moment and what we need to do as a result. Mm. But for me, that's not the place we should be starting. Mm. We should be starting from our relationship with God. So, so care for creation is, is part of worship and it's part of discipleship and it's mm. part of mission mm. rather than being yet another legalistic requirement mm. if, if we're going mm. to be good little people. Mm. Um, so pray about it. Mm. read what the bible says read planet wise if it helps mm. um and you know get get your thinking straight on why this is important as a christian mm. and then ask god to lead you into the practical steps and mm. and for most of us the practical steps uh that are, are most significant in terms of our impact on the planet um will be looking at, at, at what we eat and where we get it mm. looking at how we travel um looking at, at the building we live in whether it's a flat or a house or whatever uh, and how energy efficient that is um mm. those are you know those are significant things our shopping habits mm. um these are all really significant things in terms of our personal lifestyles uh, and what we can change not all at once but one step at a time mm. um and then i know that that will is 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 rightly pushing us in a russia towards saying you know, we, we mustn't just do the personal stuff, we must do the political stuff too. Mm. And we've got to get involved in the campaigning on climate change mm. in pushing our government and other governments mm. to, to move quicker than they are at the moment. Uh, and I, I would agree with that. Because, mm. mm. well, Will, you, you do a lot of work with young adults in, in this area. I mean, what are, the, what are the things you'd want to say to someone listening to this who's maybe in their 20s and, and, mm. and um, yeah, thinking about how does my discipleship work out? Yeah. In, a, in relationship to creation. Yeah, I think, as Dave said, like, sort of rereading some of the scriptures, just because mm. I think the thing that I, that changed for me was just being able to see things in a different light and, like, suddenly mm. realizing that God has got this real care for creation throughout um, mm. the Bible. Mm. And um, just rereading some of the basic things, mm. like, you know, that 2 Chronicles 7 or whatever, mm. where it says, you know, if my people who are called by my name, then I'll heal their land. Just mm. looking at these things and trying to sort of see if there's another a way of seeing that we haven't seen before. Mm. And then as far as practical and practical terms, sort of, yeah, I mean, not trying to t- change the whole world on, in, on your own because mm. I think that's a common thing. We sort of go from apathy mm. to complete despair yep. and mm. miss out the middle bit of going, okay, what little things can I do? Yeah. Um, and... I think there is a real danger of it becoming a sort of checklist mm. for so mm-hmm. almost like a legalistic code, mm. like I should mm. be doing this, I should be doing yep. that, yep. tick, tick, tick. But just starting with mm. one thing mm. and just trying and not sort of mm. beating yourself up the whole time. Mm. But I guess it's also kind of watching how you how you step, isn't it? Yeah. You know, thinking, and there's an extra layer of thinking, you know, how do I impact my my environment in all kinds of little ways mm-hmm. and is that a positive thing or is it a, a negative thing in terms of what i do with my yeah. plastic bags or yeah whether mm-hmm. i do that cycle or whether i drive my car or, mm-hmm. or, or use public transport or um you know what i what i buy in the supermarket as as you say i suppose it's those sorts of things isn't it it's just almost like doing a bit of a sort of personal audit on 
on on you know how, how do I impact the environment in which I live, my house, my street, my mm. neighbourhood? You know, how do I get to church on a Sunday? How do I visit the you know? Uh, how do I get to the and, I mean, there are lots of practical things that can help, and you know, from a Christian point of view, mm. Russia has set up something called Living Lightly. Um, 24-1, we're about to rebrand it again just as Living mm. Lightly. Mm. And it's really about the 24-1 bit is, is, is Psalm 24-1, the earth is the Lord's and, and all that yeah. is in it. Mm. What does it look like if our lifestyles are doing that? Yeah. So we've got a website yeah. that helps people through that. Or Tear Funds Carbon Fast, which is, yep. has just started at the moment, is another sure. thing with daily suggestions of what mm. we can do um, to put this into practice. So, um, Dave, if people want to follow this up, um, how do they find out more about Arosha? Uh, www.arosha that's A-R-O-C-H-A dot org dot UK uh, we'll put them Great. onto the, the UK website uh, or you can email us uk at arosha dot org or you yeah. can phone us 020-8574-5935 brilliant thank you so much for coming in and it's, I think it's, you know, what you're doing is really important work mm-hmm. and, and um, so it's great to have this chance to, to, to talk about it a little bit together so uh, thanks Dave for coming in thank you Will as well thanks for and Michael as always as always Mike's good. Nice, nice now he got his scarf on because he's always ready to run away at these things. He has to go and, uh, uh, you know, people see he's trying to hide his dog things to do. Yeah, Hiding yeah, the dog right, collar. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, no, I'm going off to uh, celebrate the Holy Mysteries, so. As they say. As they say. Exactly. That's right. And uh, Chris as well. Good to have you with us, too. Uh, and uh, we'll be back again next time round. I think Jane's joining us then. I can't remember who's, who's our guest next time, but somebody interesting. Somebody no wonderful, no doubt. I'm sure. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, um, uh, yeah, goodbye from all of us, and um, we'll um, be back again soon. That was God Pod, a podcast from the St. Paul's Theological Centre. If you want to send us a question, just email it to godpod at htb.org.uk. We can't promise to answer all the questions you send in, but we'll certainly try. Until next time, goodbye.